talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, the podcast. Uh, I am Dave. And I'm Stu. And we're here with episode 14, entitled Take This Sabbath Day, which opens with no recap at all, and we just smash right into a title card. <laughs> well, we uh, took the trash out last time. Right. So. <laughs> so, yeah, everything's <laughs> all fresh start. ready to go. Um, so we just smash open on title card and a very serious scene of judges denying uh, a man uh, a stay of execution that his lawyers have filed appeal for. Uh, and sentencing him to die. Yeah, it's very. Uh, you wrote it super hardcore. It's like it's yeah, that's very a pretty hardcore. good. That's a good word to describe it. It's just yeah, like straight it's up. It's just like, played um, super serious, super dramatic. We, we find we find this guy is worthy to be executed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean like, these oh, are literal great. life and death stakes here, and the and the show doesn't hold back, which is nice. So his lawyers are having a bit of a freak out of, oh man, what can we do? Can we do anything? Does anyone know anyone in the White House? And one of the lawyers, played by Noah Emmerich, uh, not Clancy Brown. Not Clancy Brown, <laughs> not also not Clancy Tom Brown. Wilson. Also not from, Biff from Back Biff to the Future. <laughs> Back <to> the future. <laughs> he is neither of those men. Neither he is his own men. man, Noah Emmerich, <laughs> who I know more, and you might know, listener, from uh, as Truman's buddy from The Truman Show. He played Jim Carrey's best friend in that movie. That's where and I he knew plays. From. He plays Stan Beeman in The Americans on FX, which is some spectacular TV. I have not seen it, but I'll take your word on it. Uh, but he is playing one of the lawyers, and he knows Sam Seaborn. Uh, in his own words, he used to beat him up uh, as a kid. <laughs> uh, so he goes and makes the impassioned plea to Sam. Meanwhile, smash cut to... A, a favorite dramatic device that Sorkin will go to over and over again, characters preparing to go on vacation. <laughs> <sighs> yep, because, you know, your work ethic is your only redeeming quality, guys. You're just big old cogs in the machine. <laughs> right. So any character who tries to plan vacation time on the West Wing is doomed, uh, <laughs> dramatically, uh, to never realize that vacation time. <laughs> um, so we've got Sam and Josh both planning. Um, Josh Josh actually does sort of realize his time. We'll get to that in a bit. He goes out to a bachelor party. But Sam is planning to, what, ski or something? I think he's sail. going to sail race. Sailing, sailing race, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> One of those Ivy League sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, Sam's all, okay, getting ready to get out for the weekend, close my office, shut down the computer. Let's, you know, it's the guy from office space trying to clock out mm-hmm. early thing and then the call comes in right as he's leaving so he gets denied uh the catharsis of vacation and we the viewers understand how important it is that it, it dragged this man away from his vacation yeah. uh it's just a funny dramatic it, it's, device it, they, it's it's pretty constant they too. Will we, we see it every few episodes to. uh and uh, it's not until like season seven where josh takes a vacation and it's like a whole episode subplot has to be about him <laughs> finally yeah, doing finally it. getting some time uh off. and i think he gets threatened with either go on vacation or i'm firing you and that's what it takes yeah but that's for a later episode anyway so we cut back after Josh has gone out for his bachelor party thing, and Josh has shown up in the office somehow, instead of going home, uh, hung over to hell and back, sleeping on the floor on his suit. 
Uh, and I just have a note here that just extremely hungover Josh is very much my mood right now. <laughs> yeah. We, we're recording this on November 7th. But yeah, so. right, right, post-midterm <laughs> it was, election. It was, it was a long night. <laughs> hungover Josh is extremely my mood. Um, so... So we got two main things going on here in this episode. One is Josh and his shenanigans, uh, including those of Joey Lucas, who we're about to meet here in a a little bit. Uh, And then the other is the main execution subplot. Yep. And it's actually so this episode, quite by contrast with last week's, is Mm -hmm. very focused. Absolutely. um, Which is which is a relief because it helps us just sort of like it's easy enough to just sort of walk through what happens and then get to the get to the meat of the shit instead of wandering around inside these subplots and character interactions. So. Absolutely. Um, so then while Josh is still dealing with being super hungover and Donna is trying his be- her best to help him uh, get new clothes and get some coffee and whatnot, we get a lot of good comedy bits here with Josh spitting up cold coffee, <laughs> which actually made me laugh out loud. Yes, for the, it's, it's pretty fucking good. For he like plays it really well. Less than the handful of times I actually laughed out loud on, <laughs> on my rewatch of this show. But it's really good, actually. Um, And then, so Joey Lucas smashes in, um, literally, like, storms in with her interpreter in tow, tow, for anyone who's... Some people are listening to this and have never watched The West Wing, which I think is bizarre, but hey, you do you. Uh, For anyone like that, Joey is deaf uh, and has a interpreter. She's played by Marley Matlin. Who was, you know, famously a I deaf... I think the uh, most famous deaf actress Probably, I ever. think it's safe to say the most famous yes. deaf actress, or at least the most famous currently working one. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, she's played by Marley Matlin, and she comes in, and she's pissed to hell because she's running uh, some dude's congressional campaign out in California, I want to say. Yep. And, yeah, California. And the DNC is cutting her funding. Uh, and so she came to Josh to complain. Uh, and we get we get some really funny stuff where he's hungover. He has no idea what's going on as he's being yelled at by he's being yelled at by a person an, with an interpreter her and by an interpreter and, and Marley yeah. Madeline at the same time. <laughs> it's really good stuff. Uh, Bradley Whitford plays it really well, and so does Marley Madeline and um, whoever plays the interpreter. Whoever plays guy. Kenny because yeah, he's Kenny a Kenny does a great job in all of this. Uh, the guy playing <laughs> the interpreter. There's uh, a bit where I'm, I was very, I was very feeling Josh, where he's like walking out of his office and he's, he's like sort of emphatically fake sign language at her, <laughs> and like yeah. waving his hands in her general direction and like pointing at the ground. He says, "Stay right, like wave, wave, wave here," and he points down at the ground. Yeah. It's like, okay, man, this is really good. Like it's legitimately comedic. So right. Um. <sighs> They, they get into an argument that we're going to dive into more later in one of the further segments, but then Josh gets a nice little uh, comeuppance where he's like, lady, there is no way in hell you are going to meet the president, because she's saying, I want to talk to the president about this issue, and then the president just strolls right up to Josh and is like, hey, Josh, who's this lady? <laughs> What's up? You want to see the Oval Office? Hey, yeah, you want a tour? So it's, yeah. it's really great. And so um, the context of that is that the president has returned from some trip to Sweden that he was yeah. on for some reason and so we start literally undisclosed reasons yeah. and so we start seeing the president in the context of this like late minute late last minute stay of execution thing he's returned from this trip and so it is set up um in the script early that we're to expect that the president is sort of like tired or like like beat from this trip he's not 
he he's not in fighting form, so uh, to speak. So yeah, we see him in his sweatshirt right, yeah. the whole time. Like he's sort of not quite in a fog, but sort of like being a little pensive the entire episode. So mm-hmm. this will lead into kind of the the stuff down the road, but just this sets it up as being like, oh, I'm just wandering around the White House. Right. What's up? I you think, want a tour? Yeah. I think part of it is is the weekend too. So. Yep. They're not yeah. working as hard, even though they are also working, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> um, so Bartlett, meanwhile, so he's informed about the execution issue pretty early on and is just kind of wrestling with it the whole time. Um, he gets, you know, his staff to bring up some details of the case and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, he, I want to talk to the Pope, you know, right. who, are the, who are the moral leaders I can go to right. to dissect this issue? Uh, meanwhile... Um, Noah Emmerich uh, is making his plea to Sam, um, since Sam is the is the direct contact, and Sam kind of runs it up the chain from there. Well, um, and also at the same time, sort of like quasi doxes Toby yeah. by telling telling Noah Emmerich like, uh, Toby, it's Saturday morning. Toby's a temple, right? Toby's a temple. Uh, I don't know which temple, but I think it's on Delaware. And yep. then the guy, he, Noah Emmerich, figures it out and manages to contact Toby's rabbi and convince him to alter his sermon to be about capital punishment. <laughs> about capital punishment. <laughs> which is which is a great little thing because when we get to Toby the shot of Toby in temple hearing the sermon about capital punishment, it feels very forced and very cliche and very coincidental television of like, oh, his rabbi just happens to be talking about capital punishment while Toby happens to be working on this capital punishment thing. But like, no, it's very intentional. Yeah, it's, it's deliberately, and, this, yeah. and Noah Emmerich did it on purpose to try to sway Toby, and it's great. Yep. Uh, and it, it ends up becoming like an actually really good, solid plot point. And then we get another bit of conversation with Toby and his rabbi more intimately, where the rabbi lays it out explicitly. And then Toby then later goes on to the president to try to relay the concerns uh, to him. Yeah. And so we have like Toby eventually comes to the president and expresses his concerns. And this is all about the the death penalty case. Um the kind of weird Toby, uh, not Toby, the president asks Charlie about if he would like to see his mother's killer right. executed for his crime. Right. And Charlie's answer is like, it, it's it's very well, it's well scripted where he's like, uh, no, I wouldn't want to see him executed. Dramatic pause. <laughs> pause beat. <laughs> I'd, I'd do it myself. Right, which of course he would. This like, is yeah. why we don't let victims decide these things. <laughs> and this is this is in our notes. This is all of the caps and bold language in our yeah. notes. Is like, of course he would. Of course, this that's is a perfectly understandable we... <laughs> position for someone whose mom was literally murdered by a man. That if he met that man, he would want to kill him. And this it, is yes, why we that makes we... sense. I understand. <laughs> and that's why we don't put victims in charge of <laughs> punishment. Yeah, this is why we have a. a adversarial justice system to begin with in terms right. of all spectrums of, like, all that's, spectrum of offenses. that's what justice like, used to be you know yes. back in the day it was just you got mad and you went and go and you did kill something the guy, about it. Yes, you know? it was it was straight up um vigilantism for yeah 90 percent of history yeah and an eye for an eye <laughs> leaves the whole world blind and yeah. all that good stuff um so it's it's just a small bit where he asks Charlie, but it's also powerful because it's you know it's Charlie's only big moment in the episode, and in, you know the episode plays it powerfully. 
the rest of the arguments given to him are very, very staunchly anti-death penalty for a variety of reasons. He gets both wonkish ones and moral ones, uh, and we'll discuss that more uh, in the next segment. Yep, because he makes sure to ask Joey Lucas, just sort of like, as a part of the tour, it's like... right. I'm thinking about commuting this yeah, death sentence. Which, by the way... Hey, random oof. person I've never met before. Yeah, like, way to, way to unload that bird on, on someone. And to be fair, she takes it in stride, but, like, yeah. yeah we'll, to we'll, be we'll fair, she handles it in. like a champ, but, like, <laughs> oof, she's tougher than me, because I'd be like, yikes! I and, can't... And, <laughs> I can't figure that out, sir. And so, like, the, the, rest of the, the rest of the plot of the episode is literally a series of interrogations between these characters over... Whether or not he should be commuting this right. this death yeah. sentence, and in the we end, we basically see the morality play play yeah. out for each of our mains. And in and in, in the end, in the end, Bartlett is left unswayed by anything other than a poll number, wherein he claims that seventy one percent of Americans are in favor of the death penalty, which is a particularly cold and. I I don't know, just like impersonal yeah. statistic to cite because it doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah. in this particular case. And so he therefore, he lets the execution go forward. Yeah, um, this focus on polling and, you know, majority rule over, you know, of all, all else, you know, it feels very democratic in a way, but in reality, it's more like the Clinton like chasing polls thing of you just kind of let yourself be dictated by the whims of the country instead of having your own like moral center and plan and integrity. Sure, and even um, be not even by the whims of the country necessarily. It's the whims of whoever right. communicated you a data set uh, yeah, at correct. a given time. Yeah. You're assuming so- that these polls are accurately reflecting the will of yeah. the country as well which is a whole <laughs> uh, and that everybody everybody's a good faith actor right. in that regard so i mean there's and leo articulates some arguments which the president i mean again in sort of a procedural fashion he's worried about setting precedent and you know eighth amendment issues blah, blah, like uh, cruel and unusual punishment issues for the thing and leo's just like dude this is the first time I'll ever tell you this, but right. that's the next guy's fucking problem, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is great. You know, yeah. finally Leo has a solid take yeah, about something. Ex- exactly, and Leo <laughs> Leo stands up for this issue of all yeah. things. So yeah, so yeah. hey, and then uh, in the uh, end, overall, you know, it's a really solid episode in terms of like laying out the arguments. I feel it's just it fails and it stump. It basically trips at the finish line. Um, by just having Bartlett have to make the hard choice, which is, of course, the vengeful one. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so actually, this isn't necessarily even related to politics. I, I put a lot of thought into the contrast between the culmination scene in this, where he's standing in the Oval Office window looking pensively outside, which has a black and white, like, overdub of the guy laying down on the table and getting the fucking needle in his arm and you contrast like it's got this this awful music like arms of the angels style sarah mclaughlin style music going on in the background and you contrast that with the last episodes if Mm -hmm. everybody remembers uh scene with the Lola Lydell parents with his with his dad where there was no music and they no trusted music. and they trusted the viewer to understand the dramatic impact of the scene and to land without 
these sort of like naked emotional appeals. <laughs> yeah, and and it's also, I mean, in a way, it's like, wow, really, Aaron? Like you, you don't trust Martin Sheen, a literal legendary actor, to carry the scene in the way that you know uh, Allison Janney did in the like in the in the really recent past. Dude, so there's this stylistic thing that goes horribly wrong in the final scene of the episode. And at the end of the day, we are left in this sort of limbo between our feelings of the the protagonist theory, which you, I think, spoke about pretty sure. pretty well last time. And the idea that it's like we are being told every time that he's doing bad. Like that, right. that, that like this hard decision, he is doing the bad one. Right, but in but like he's doing the best he can, sort of at the same time. It's, exactly, it's it's weird. It yeah. is weird. It's, because, it's somewhat yeah. uncomfortable. Because yeah, the bulk of the episode goes out of its way to say, "Hey, commuting this guy would be the right call mm-hmm. morally." You know, morally. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I think it may it may play into like the remainder of the seasons, sort of like um, the thing where it's like, "Oh, the administration's losing its way." Mm. or whatever where you get when down we, to when the, we get to that yeah yeah exactly when we get and so to the maybe we're Bartlett be Bartlett moment exactly maybe we're setting yeah. the stage for that in this episode a that's, little bit you know what that's I'll I'll give them a little credit and say maybe they are sure. doing that um and then yeah so that could be because we do we're because that comes up how many episodes from now pretty soon yeah um, I mean the, the Bartlett, season's only 22 long? that's definitely a season one episode yeah absolutely um, yeah, so uh, maybe they were aware and they intentionally wrote it of like, Something hey, they're going to struggle yeah. initially with some of this stuff. And then, uh, you know, eventually we're going to have this big reckoning of like, hey, we're not doing what we came here to do. Um, and we'll cover that when we get to that episode. So <laughs> that's it's an interesting theory. You know, you can maybe give give them a, a little, little credit, credit if they're the being that subtle about it yeah. uh, with the serialization. Um, but since this is, the, this is the first, like, death penalty episode, it feels like it's more just them trying to, like, get their take on the record oh, and of, you, like, like, how we feel about the death penalty. And, and you said at the outset, it was just like, this episode just fucking smashes in and we have no right. connection to anything yeah. else that's and there's, going on. Uh, aside from the Josh, you know, comedic side plot with Joey, like, it, everything in this episode is, su- is around the death penalty Yeah, it's, it's very issue. focused. And it it's in a vacuum. super focused. Super focused. Yeah. Okay, so... All right, yeah, well, that went that really went, long, but let's take but, a quick break. We'll, we'll, and dig in on the death penalty. And we'll <laughs> dig in, yeah. All right, so clearly the large and outstanding political issue in this episode is that of capital punishment and the death penalty in American society. Full out, it is utterly barbaric that this state can deprive someone of their life. Full stop. Absolutely. Like that is my personal position and there's no there's no wavering on any of that shit. However, Absolutely. the show goes through an interesting evolution where through some skillful writing and you know interactions of characters, it basically lays out almost every single admin employee administration employee's take on the death penalty and then wraps it up in a bow with the, the shit at the end with the president, which we'll also get into. So it kind of starts with right. um, Sam being the first point of contact. and Sam and when, Mandy. Yeah. And, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, Mandy's, Mandy. Mandy's still fucking around. 
and I, <laughs> I wrote down, I said, it's a brunette Teladonna. And I remember this from my Italian classes in university. It's a, it's a Demi Domandi because <laughs> Domanda is Italian for question. So you should uh. say, Demi, Demi Domanda, ask me a question. <laughs> Demi Domandi. I love it. I love it. Anyway, so you get, you get Mandy in this sort of Teladonna explication role mm-hmm. where it's, and I, you, you were saying like, she's like well, audience surrogate yeah and it's like of like hey you know is it sam is it a deterrent and sam's like well <laughs> there aren't you know there are studies that it's not and <laughs> mm-hmm. so sam kind of gives her like the wonkish spiel of why he you know wonkishly the death penalty doesn't make sense it's like it's not a deterrent it doesn't save us money blah 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 yeah. Kind of the, the the wonkish legal reasons. <laughs> yeah, the legally because he is, you know, he's the yeah. To be fair, he's the he is a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, yeah, he is a corporate lawyer, and it's it's very you know it's it's very telling of each of these characters when when we get their take on it. Yeah, and I well, think and, it's it's well done. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know it it moves on down to being like um, with the Charlie question where it's like mm-hmm. this is actually you know this is a a very personal stakes personal stakes type of yeah. perception of it where. Or it may not even be um, generalizable to a person's position. because right. If who you wouldn't... haven't had that kind yeah. of experience, yeah, you're yeah. not going to feel the same way Charlie does. And then if you have, you probably understand exactly how he feels. Absolutely. But, you know, it's or also you might like... feel completely differently. It's not, it's not generalizable, exactly. And I think it's also like, for that specific person, Charlie may feel this sense of vengeance or whatever, but... Who knows? For, right, if for, it were for a, a societal if it were a hypothetical, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. non not murdered his mom murderer, <laughs> yes. is he going to feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And let's be clear. I think the 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 stated offense of this guy is he killed two people, two or possibly three. Okay, I think. Um, and they don't. They and definitely then, don't go into any much there's detail. Some, there's it. some stuff about how Mexican courts were the ones that first charged him, and you know, since they're a joke, his conviction is you know, dubious. More or less, yeah. Is more dubious than one might think, you know. But when it comes down to it, you can really, you know, no cases super black and white uh, yeah. you know ve- ve- or I should say very few are the cases that are 100% black and white yeah so uh, we walk through uh, these other characters where Bartlett sits down Joey Lucas mm-hmm. and asks her which I think is actually during the tour yeah during during <laughs> yeah. you know the tour of the Oval Office hey I just <laughs> met you but let's have let's have your opinion too um, yeah and she provides the like and it's again sort of like the the Bartlett Catholic academia perspective on it where she's like yes i studied fucking saint augustine and goddamn thomas aquinas and all my legal legal moral scholars or whatever and she's just like the state shouldn't deprive anybody of their life right she's like stop trying to quote old dead men yeah. for, for <laughs> philosophy and and come to a modern sensible approach yep um, after which after which the president fucking basically incredibly rudely dismisses her concerns out of hand for her right. candidate, which it's fine yeah. to leave that he, to the next he will, he will apologize <laughs> yeah. eventually through Josh, but uh, yeah. not not to her face. So just chalk that one up in Bartlett jackass call. Yeah. Well, and so then we move through to um, Toby and his rabbi having this discussion. Right. Now um, this this part, I uh, if you don't mind, I'll, go, ahead. I'll yeah. go for a little bit here. I really enjoyed this bit. Um, I mean, I'm Jewish myself, and, you know, hearing, you know, the the... The way, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jews are famous for debating what exactly the Torah says about (laughs) Judaism. Uh, It's basically a rabbi's 
full-time job is to like be a rules lawyer about the Torah. Um, so the rabbi does a really excellent job here of showing that, you know, while the Torah does have some pro-capital punishment in it, it's also an archaic, outdated document that was a product of his time and should be viewed in a modern context. Um, and it's a really, it's a really well done argument for like, uh, you know, like a sensible religious position effectively. And there's also the, the juxtaposition of the sort of the subtle intelligent, like brilliantly intelligent jab at Toby being the, the communications director yes. of yeah. the white so house. That's, where that's great. Where he's the the rabbi is deliberately manipulating him by putting this uh, this lector uh, a singer who is quote unquote rehearsing for some sort of you know mm-hmm. for a ceremonial role for, for a funeral and and to- Toby sees through it immediately he's like they practice and so you see the rabbi kind right. of be like um yeah all the time <laughs> and so right they, well and it, like, it's it's a nice little point counterpoint where yeah. you know he says like hey you know, what was the sermon about, Rabbi? Were you trying to influence me to influence the president? And the rabbi's like, yes, of course I was. And Toby says, like, well, I don't actually have any influence over the president. I'm just the communications director. And the rabbi's like, yeah, that's a bunch of crap. Of course you have <laughs> yeah. influence over the president, just like I have influence over you over by you. putting up yeah. this singer here to manipulate you. Yeah. And it's like, it's a really well done sort of like plain, plain yeah. I know you know, kind of. Well, and so then... We get a really brief moment with CJ and 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 Mandy again, where oh, CJ is reading the dossier on the case and learning yeah. learning sort of like the facts around it, so that she can communicate with the press later. And it's you know right. she she is as always you know kind of the moral compass where she's just like I like I don't. She kind of dodges on the position, right? She says at first at first that she's yeah. like oh I don't have a opinion about the capital punishment, but basically, and it's a weird, it's weird to start from there. Yeah. For the it scene. Is. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, Oh, well, um, all, all she right. literally says, I don't care if he lives or dies, but then she cycles back around on like, but then I have to go report to the president that on at 1204 that he did die. And now yeah. I know his mother's name and like, and so you, by the end you can tell it's killing her. Yeah. And like, she very clearly does not want him to die because then she would not have to do that, that bit of going and telling the president at 1204. But yeah. she, you know, it's weird. It's a weirdly constructed thing where she starts out saying, I literally don't care, but it's obvious <laughs> that she super, it's cares. obvious that she does definitely. Right. Care. Yeah. So I guess it's her trying to kind of like rationalize it to rationalize the trauma effectively that she's about to yeah. go through. Well, and, and so then, we, we see Toby come in and physically go to the president and be like, mm-hmm. and he does the Toby thing so the, where he yeah, like... the rabbi's he, gambit works, effectively. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Toby, and, uh, you know, doesn't do the whole, like, oh, I just craft the message. He's actually coming to the president to make an appeal, an emotional yeah. appeal. Yeah, and he he does the Toby thing where he sort of, sort of, like, rubs his brow and interrupts people with short clip sentences where he's like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be legal at all, or, like, it shouldn't do it ever. It right. shouldn't be. It should be impossible, is what he says. Right. Because the it's president like, says it's very hard yeah. to execute someone. He 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 comes down on the moral hard line of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the president basically just sort of, kind of, as you wrote here, just sort of dismisses him. Oh, it was. Like, I was. I was so fucking mad because a, it's it, the. I I don't want to say it's slightly anti-Semitic, but it is a 
because you know the you know the character of the people saying this thing, but he right. the the present says, "Oh, check it out, Leo. Toby went to shul," and it's like, right. and then and then Toby walks away because this is essentially the present dismissing him, and it's like, yeah. holy shit, that is so fucking condescending. I think it's like I I really I feel like it's not meant to be, of course. Where, like, the way Bartlett says it, it's meant to be, like, with pride in his voice of, like, look, he went, you know, he went and got a good moral viewpoint and gave it to me. But it comes across definitely oh, just and, dismissive. And it was, I, I don't, and yeah, again, it's sort of weirdly constructed in that scene. So then we get, we get Leo's reaction because Bartlett raises the, um, like, the administrative, procedural, and constitutional consequences of taking the action Right. Of staying the execution. Right. And then he starts, yeah, so Sam, Sam starts looking into it and Leo kind of freaks out. Yeah. He's like, you know, Sam, we can't do this. It's already done. He's made up his mind. I'm not letting you like look into all this BS that he told, just told you to look into. It's done. <laughs> and then Sam's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like the president ordered me to look into this. I'm going to do we've it. Got, we've got six hours and we have to time. figure this out. Yeah, and we have time. And then he's, he's like, what were you going to do if he was still out of the country during this? Just keep him out of the country? And Leo goes Leo like, goes, honestly? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Which is just like, what Damn. the hell? Jesus Christ. So like, just rather craven... Yeah. Just rather run away from the issue and be like, oh, I don't know, someone else would have to figure out what Hoyne's up to. <laughs> you yeah. know? Maybe he can go make the call. Yeah. Well, and like, so then what the hell? And like it, it sort of like continues to and so the last, the last sort of um, the big one, the big authority figure to which Bartlett appeals for guidance, bigger than the Pope, bigger, bigger than the Pope is his parish priest. His, lo- his local parish from when he was a little little wee lad. Yep. And the priest comes in and tells the parable of, like, the guy on the roof in the flood. Where he's like, dude, I sent you a boat, like, a helicopter, and a giant eagle. Right. And now you're dead. <laughs> what right. the fuck are you what thinking? What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and he also, like, I, I, I don't well, know. Well, here's what I like. I like that he... he Bartlett, you know, Bartlett tells him that he prayed for wisdom to come and nothing came. And it just like every time he's prayed, because, you know, you don't actually hear the voice of God. And the priest is basically telling him, like, of course not. That's not how it works. You have to look to those you've around, around you. And if you've surrounded yourself with the right people, they will effectively be the quote unquote voice of God for you, is what the priest is trying to, to communicate here. Yeah. And that's what that's what that little parable means. It's like, I, I don't. Right. I'm not going to come down to you personally, tap you right. on the shoulder, and be like, "Hey, God, here, you should do this." Right. Yeah, God. God is the good people and the good deeds around us, essentially. Uh, it's 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 a beautiful message. I like more that the you know the ultimate message here of the the religious argument comes down to only god can kill which is effectively the same thing as saying no man can kill or no mm-hmm. state should kill um so, you know which it reframes it in a in a better way of you, you know the state should not have this power you know no one should yeah and it it sort of it slightly ties in with your uh, not the man the office right. bullshit because yeah okay so that, that's an the- extremely weird boundary to draw in this specific case i think like this is a very good there's a very good point to be like i'm acting in my capacity as this position 
right. at times where like right. a managerial when you're sense. you're commander of chief of, you know, millions of troops, but this is literally you you one man get to make one decision. Yes, where another know, person lives or dies. Lives or dies individually. Yeah. Like this like is directly. entirely 100% your call. You are not the office in this. You are just the man who gets to make the decision. And and further the the recipient of that decision does not have a say or relationship with you. It's just right. you are you're sort of uh, unilaterally delivering this judgment right. to the person. So the episode wraps up with Bartlett being pensive in, and, and I just point for, point for the ahead. record. Keep in mind, if he had stayed the execution, they always could have executed him later. <laughs> if you you know if he if he wanted to go backseas on it. You can't, you can't unkill a dude. <laughs> you can't, but you can reschedule an execution. <laughs> or can we? <laughs> Episode 15 of the West What has Wing. science wrought? <laughs> so, like, and I, I spent, like, I would spend a lot of time getting real mad about this shit. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, through the episode, <clears throat> it's like, obviously, Joey Lucas gives the most agnostic answer, even though she's referenced as being of Quaker faith uh you yeah know, they I are pacifists i think she's just more talking about her name when she says quaker like when she says you know oh, yes, okay what's well, your last she's name? dutch and lucas quaker. and yeah. he goes oh what is that polish and she yeah. goes dutch quaker like i'm the quaker dutch mm-hmm. i don't think she's saying she is quaker okay <clears throat> but anyway she's, just for the record she's sort of like she's interrupted by the president because he's a huge jackass <laughs> <in this>. but, <laughs> but then it's like the bent of her argument is just that it's the fact that anyone arrives at the circumstance of being executed is an indictment not just of the justice system on which you're like operating, but of the entire society at large. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is sort of I think that's the socialist perspective on it is that there is there is a systemic failure on both sides of that transaction where yeah, on the of front a society end, that's that's crafted a society that has allowed this situation to get this bad. Exactly. That results in this circumstance being under question at all, where it's on the front end. We have to make this horrible call. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're either not dealing with the underlying conditions that provoke this crime, or there's a failure of whatever necessary monitoring authority to intercede appropriately. But it's also on the back end because like, regardless of the nature of offense, um, even like, on the most like raging retributive justice system side of the argument, it's so much more, it's much more punishment for someone to languish in prison for the rest absolutely. of their life. Like, absolutely. A, and especially in our, in our just fucking barbaric justice system yeah. where you're if, living in even, a concrete box. Even like, if you're not, even if you don't care one iota about rehabilitation and just want the most punishment, but how is life in prison not much more punishment <laughs> yeah. than a, a sweet release of death? And like, that's the, that's even, that is the most weirdly like authoritarian boner side of the argument too, where it's like, right. oh, I totally believe in punishment as deterrence. In this case, it's like, well, honestly, like, I got to say, the the fear of spending my life in an eight by eight foot cell yeah. would be just overwhelmingly more deterrent than like, oh, I get a quick chop and I'm dead. Right. Right. Um, so, well, you know, it's a it's a big topic and we we talked a lot about it, but let's <laughs> let's we'll pull cap to the end of the death penalty stuff and we'll bring up the arguably more infuriating <laughs> DNC funding shenanigans uh, subplot of the episode. 
Alright, so the final issue of this episode revolves what Joey Lucas is actually here for, which is that she is campaigning for uh, a congressman out in California who's running up against like a real crazy Tea Partier type Republican, uh, we're meant to imply. Uh, obviously this is pre-Tea Party and everything, but that's the implication that, that we're given here is that this dude is, you know, super pro-life, super conservative, super religious, you know, super fundy, like, you know, the, the real typical Tea Party cut of, uh, GOPer mm-hmm. and, uh, the DNC will not fund her candidate adequately because they would rather have this crazy Republican win so that they can point to him, oh. uh, f- take a clip, generate an ad, and get 2 to $3 million in donor dollars every time it happens. Uh, it's basically they're using that this is guy Josh's argument. As, as, a, as a, like an example of what they should be fighting against, so they need him right. to remain in power. Right. Effectively, yeah. Effectively, <laughs> like it's the, um, uh, it's like the, who's, uh, was it Claire McCas- Claire McCaskill and Todd Aiken, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was. It's the Todd Aiken thing of like, let's let's dig up the worst Republican we can because <laughs> when we point at them, donor dollars come in. Uh, by saying, well, we will oppose this worst type of Republican most of all. Yeah. And it's just, I, yeah. it, just that it's awful. Yeah. It's, uh, and, it, and it's pure, it's pure political ca- because in, it's pure craven, like donor dollars over good politics, like a hundred percent. Well, now we later find out that they have a secondary motive for this as well, which is that they're not a big fan of the candidate she is a ca- campaigning for. They think he is like a stuffed shirt and just kind of like an empty suit and won't really do anything. And if they had made that argument first, I would be behind them a hundred percent. You know, their argument is we want someone who's an actual like lefty Democrat that's really gonna fucking fight for this district, and not just some stuffed shirt centrist. And I'm like, oh, well, why didn't yeah. you say that <laughs> why, from the get go? So? I'm on board then. Yeah, yeah, um, but instead it's buried in this this craven desire for donor bucks above all else and it just it feels very looking at it in a 2018 lens of like propping up the crazies so that we can make more donor dollars oh we can well, keep our consultants not, paid it's not working out that great because the crazies keep winning <laughs> yeah. elections yeah, good job guys the, the crazy has been spreading for fucking 30 years like uh, this this doesn't help at all so um so later on finally in the end of the episode after joey has been so rudely interrupted and dismissed out of the oval office um because bartlett got snippy and like angry or whatever yeah he's he's jet lagged from his trip to sweden (laughs) yeah exactly uh so he sends josh to go apologize um and also while Josh is there saying, you know, deliver that argument that I just made about how the candidate she's managing for is a stuffed shirt centrist and not good, and that we want you, Joey Lucas, campaign manager, you should run for his seat next time. Um, Which is very funny, because the future of this character, not only will she not run for that seat, she will not be a campaign campaign manager manager the the next time we see her. Uh, She will have been retconned into, she was always a pollster, what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, and and it seems very, um, I mean, obviously... It's somewhat. It's it's no no real political point to that. I just it's a funny character <laughs> detail. Well, and and her like, 
the 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 kind of the the conclusion of this arc is just sort of almost it's still just kind of throwaway where it's like oh you know you get this opportunity for josh to be very suave and be like hey right it's also a josh flirt yeah storyline <laughs> totally because they will continue to flirt off and on uh excuse me although spoiler alert they will not hook up in any way <sighs> um and at one point she yeah, at one point she just shows up pregnant with uh, with some other dude's kid. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Which that'll be fun when we get to that oh, one. Um, Is it Kenny's yeah. baby? <laughs> oh man, are her and Kenny have a, having a hot affair? That's that's my head canon now. <laughs> it explains their excellent chemistry. That's right. Um, yeah. So, so and this is like it's again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of just it's it's endemic to the show where it's like oh we're gonna we're gonna make the hard decisions here because we're we're horse trading on these candidacies and this stuff. When, and in fact, you get this woman who is portrayed as smart and and capable yeah. and stands up to these people and passionate, and pa- much yeah. more passionate than anyone on the show. And that's sort of poo-pooed and basically just swept out and been like, "Hey, in the perspective of the show, this is bullshit, yo. Like we need to right. we're, we're going to go ahead and preserve the administration here, which is crap. You know, I I want that yeah. fucking vote in a legislative body, not a couple million dollars to pay consultants." Right, absolutely. Um yeah, and the idea of like we could, you know, we could raise more donor money by actually passing good legislation <laughs> or, is never or having, floated having a or seated, or, a seated legislative or, member in that district. Don- yeah, or get donations, you know, small donations from actual constituents voters that we help out, you know, representing our constituents' actual politics. That sounds, blah, blah, that blah. sounds like socialism. Whatever. Dave. Two, two, two to three million dollars per ad, baby. <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. I love that he knew the number yeah, right away. That, fe- that feels very Josh's Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> That he just knows how much money it raises off the top of his head. Well, yeah. Again, he's that, that's sort of his role, to just be mercenary as much as possible. He's the real politicker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but that that pretty much wraps up that issue. Did you have anything left to say I think, on that? I think we're good on this episode, man. Is there anything else you want to I talk think, about? I think we're real good. I uh, Like I said, overall, I want to say it's a pretty good episode that just kind of stumbles at the finish line. Oh, and I think the TV, uh, the TV-ishness of it is pretty great. Like, you know, these, yeah, these are, absolutely. these have been some serially good episodes. Yeah. And it's just... Um, minus, minus whichever one we called awful, which I think was eight? Enemies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since, since then, since we've, then had we've had better and better... Uh, although take out the trash day, maybe that was a little more 50, 50. Um, the next one's great though. Cause we get a return of our, our main man, Edward James almost. Oh yeah. As a Supreme court justice in waiting, I guess. Uh, and that also uh, Mendoza, yeah, that also reminds me, they mentioned him at the beginning of this episode. They say, we need to get Mendoza on the court because the Supreme court oh. kicks the ruling down in a five to three decision. And Leo's like, so instead, they would have kicked it down five to four. Like, what's your point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. That's a good catch. I totally missed that. Uh, yeah. So in the next one, he shows up for alleged. Uh, he gets arrested for alleged drunk driving and resisting arrest, and uh, Sam and Toby are dispatched to go. Uh, check up on him so that will be that's a fun episode from my recollection and uh, touches on some interesting things um, 
as always, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us in the C-SPAM thread if you found us another way and are just here on SoundCloud. Congratulations. Yeah, we rock. Uh, you can e- yeah. <laughs> thanks for finding the best podcast on the internet. God, you found God it. I know, right. there, I know there's billions, but you found the one. Congrats. <laughs> you can email us at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> And we will uh, we'll, catch you guys next time. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. All the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.